Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Moving Up the Ladder, a show that gives you some knowledge and insight into your career prospects and path, no matter what part of the employment spectrum you might fall on. With LocalJobNetwork.com Radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today's show might ruffle some feathers as we talk with Georgetown University professor Cal Newport, who also is the author of the book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, Why Skills Trump Passion in the Quest for Work You Love. Admittedly, it's a little contrarian view by Cal. So, Cal, thanks for coming in and joining us today. Thank you for having me on. Obviously, I mentioned that being a professor and the author of your book, uh, that's part of who you are. But if you could maybe just let the listeners know a little bit about your experiences uh, working-wise and what you currently do. Well, an important point to make is that I'm young, that I'm actually (laughs) 30 years old. So this is not... Uh, a book that is giving my vast wisdom <laughs> from from my job experience because I have very little. The book and my ideas here actually come from my quest to get an answer to these issues because I needed an answer. I needed to understand mm-hmm. how do people end up loving what they do because I was just kicking off my career. So I am young and this book is sort of a chronicle of my own quest to get the answers to the type of questions that me and my peers often have. And you, I mean, obviously you, you've done plenty of research and I know you're, uh, I'd seen off your blog mentioning you want to find these patterns of success as opposed to this idea you, you challenge really in just finding your passion, following your passion, so to speak. So I guess if you could describe in general the basic premise of the book, So Good They Can't Ignore You. Right. So the the main piece of career advice out there in the cultural conversation right now says that you should follow your passion if you want to end up loving what you do. So when I went and looked into this question in my sort of systematic, geekish, scientific type of way, <laughs> I found that follow your passion is actually bad advice for most people if their goal is to end up passionate about what they do. right Now, that sounds like a, a contradiction at first, but it's not, because follow your passion is actually a strategy. And it's a strategy that assumes that you have a passion in advance that you can identify and follow. And what I found, and what I argue in the book, is that most people do not have a clear pre-existing passion that they can identify and then follow. And instead, most people who end up loving what they do actually cultivate a sense of passion over time. They don't figure it out in advance. And now at the time we speak, your, your book is still obviously relatively new, but what sort of feedback have you gotten so far, just out of curiosity? Well, I've been surprised by how positive the feedback has been. The, the overwhelming sense I get is that there's a fatigue out there okay. with this sim- simple advice to follow your passion, that people are starting to become fed up with it. They think for something as important as building a working life that's meaningful, that they need a more sophisticated set of tools than simply do what you love and the money will follow. So I get a lot of people saying, I really agree with you. Other people are going to be upset, except for everyone says that. So I think in general, <laughs> in general, we're, we're ready to move on to something a little bit more sophisticated in our discussion than just figure out what you love and everything will be fine. Right. I mean, let's look at that a little bit deeper, so to speak, or at least kind of pick at it, the idea of follow your passion. And that's kind of the, like you said, a mantra that's been around for a while now. So many experts, intelligent, successful people have used that or, you know, and maybe in a speech or in some of their own writing or books. So if that's the case with all these people, why, why is that the wrong advice or why doesn't it work? Well, here's what I found, that there's a, there's a confusion happening where when people, especially people later in their career, say follow your passion, what they really mean is follow the goal of ending up passionate about your work. 
Because what, what you find when you, when you go to people who love what they do and who say, oh, yeah, you should follow your passion, if you go back and actually find their own career stories, mm-hmm. you often found that they did something way more complicated, that it wasn't clear in advance what they meant to do. Um, the big example I give in the book is of Steve Jobs. Right who said in his famous commencement address, do what you love, and most people interpreted him as meaning follow your passion. But when you actually look into the details of his story, you see that he didn't have a pre-existing passion for changing the world with technology, that he actually stumbled into the opportunity that became Apple Computer. And this is common when you study the lives of people who end up passionate and who end up saying follow your passion. They really mean follow the goal of ending up passionate about what you do, but how they got there and how we can get there is more complicated than just identifying in advance what you're meant to do. So, I mean, does any of this have, and this is, you know, just a conversation I've had with people, um, you know, discussing your book, obviously, in terms of things like financial stability or job security, because you would, I guess I would argue there are a lot of, you know, hobbies or things we love to do that would be seen as passions, whether it be in the arts or sports of some sort, or even media where, you know, that there is no stability or the financial security isn't there. Whereas if you follow a a different path that would exist, I mean, does that play a factor in in terms of financially or just security with a job? Well, I think that's uh, having financial security is a happy side effect of the strategy that works most consistently for building a working life you love. So just to break that down, the current advice says that you should look into yourself and figure out what you love and then match that to a career. Well, the two problems with that is that most people don't have a clear passion they can match to a career. So they're really just talking about hobbies. And second, we don't have a lot of evidence that just because you are interested in something, that a career built on that is going to be meaningful and engaging and passionate. So that's the problem with that advice. So so what works instead? Well, the, the simple pattern is you get really good at something that's rare and valuable. This gives you value in the marketplace, which in turn gives you leverage. Then you can take control of your career and steer it in the directions that resonate most with you. So if you're adopting that strategy, a happy side effect of it is you're going to have financial stability because the whole strategy is built around being valuable to the marketplace. So a lot of this, I mean, it just becomes a a more calculated um, process oriented versus I guess it would be kind of an idealistic look at, hey, I love doing this. I'm always going to love doing this. I guess with that, then can you identify if, if you're an individual and, you know, as a kid or in high school or even in college, I mean, how do you identify whether or not you have a passion that could lead you into something? Or is that something you, in your mind, should just, hey, put on the back burner, maybe that comes out in your work later? I guess, how do you balance somebody who does really feel they have a true passion for something? Yeah, if if you're not sure, then you probably don't have one, so don't sweat it. It's Mm. a very rare thing. In fact, a lot of people who think they did have passions actually are going back and reinventing history. They end up passionate about something because they built a career that developed passion over time, they look back at their young self and then they reinterpret <laughs> their young years as them having a passion for this. So passion is rare. Ignore that as something early in your career. That, that would be my advice to a young person, that we have decades of research on what makes people really satisfied and engaged in their jobs. And having matched that work to a pre-existing interest doesn't even register in that research, right? It's things like autonomy, a sense of mastery, a connection to people, a sense that you're having an impact on the world. We know these type of traits make people love what they do. So that's what you should be looking for. And the right way to get those traits in your working life is you have to get good at something valuable first. So you have some leverage to offer in exchange. 
and we'll definitely touch a little bit on that as far as the, the rare and valuable skills that you know, obviously you're talking about. But what everyone is thinking right now and wants to ask you really is then when you were growing up, high school, going to college, I mean, did you have something you really loved to do and, and didn't pursue? Or I, I guess, how did it all work out for you? Because you said that is a, a large part of of you writing this book and, and how you kind of came to these conclusions. So I actually wrote an article about this recently, and I, I talked some about it in my book as well. Uh, my own career path is a good um, case study in the type of thinking I'm talking about. So when I was coming out of college, I had different options I could pursue, and they were they were they were pretty different, right? They they range from writing to grad school, you know, an academic path to an industry type job. And my point was. It didn't matter which of those I chose because I don't believe that there's some pre-existing passion that's ingrained in me. There's no right one right job for me. I was confident that any of those paths could be transformed into a career that I ended up passionate about. So that took a lot of stress off my own path. Right? I didn't have to feel that one of these is right and the other ones are wrong, and I better think really carefully about what I'm really meant to do. My theory is any career path that seems reasonably interesting to you can be the foundation for passion. So your focus should be turned away from the choice of what you do and towards how you do your work once you have a job. I guess the follow-up for me to you would be, I mean, was there some area or particular skill or, or subject matter or topic that, I mean, you really did love and really enjoyed. And I know we, again, in talking about this, you could confuse passion and, and a hobby and it doesn't always work out that way. But, you know, I can, I can attest to plenty of people who just love doing something and that's what they want to do for their career. And it may or may not work out as, as obviously we were talking about, but I mean, did you have something that just stood out that, oh, I just love doing this and maybe you did or didn't pursue that? Well, the reality is uh, love and satisfaction with a particular skill grows as you get better at it, right? So this is all intertwined. So for example, I was a computer science major. As I advanced through that major and got better at computer science and knew more, I got more satisfaction and engagement out of it because as you get a sense of mastery, the research shows along with that comes an increasing sense of engagement and satisfaction. So these things are sort of intertwined together. You know, as you get better at something, you enjoy it more. And as you enjoy it more, you can put in more effort to get better at it. And it sort of feeds on itself. But what what I don't like to put too much emphasis on is some notion of an intrinsic pre-existing predestination that somehow we were born with. I just don't think that's that common. And it's funny you mention that because that's one of the parts I wanted to touch on it in the book and different things I've seen, this idea of pre-existing passions and whether or not whether or not they exist obviously can be argued. And, and you say for the most part they don't, but people may perceive it that way. And you mentioned that can be dangerous and destructive when they're looking for that, you know, that quote unquote right job or career. Can you elaborate a little bit on what you mean when you talk about those things being potentially dangerous to somebody's career path? Right. So for someone who, for whatever reason, has clarity that they want to do X, with their career. They're not looking for career advice. It's pretty simple for them. The danger comes for the 99% of other people who don't have some clear career-related passion. If they're under the belief that that should exist, then you've put them into a, a into a uh, anxious situation because now they're always worried, well, what am I passionate about? Is this job my passion? Maybe it's not. Ooh, this was difficult this week. Maybe this is not what I'm meant to be doing. It's that type of indecision and anxiety that's been crippling my generation in particular. So that's the danger of telling someone that everyone has a passion and you should follow it is that most people don't. And if you tell them they're supposed to, then they get anxious. 
Is there any way to identify if, you know, you said maybe there's the 1% of the population that they've always wanted to do it, they enjoy doing it, and that's what they end up doing it. I mean, is there a way to identify that? Because I would imagine a lot of people believe they have a passion for something, and that's where the, the disconnect kind of happens. Well, here's the good thing about my framework. If, if you're interested in something, whether or not that's a passion, that's a great reason to go after it. Mm-hmm. But you keep in mind that you're not looking for love from day one. You're not looking for this sort of platonic perfection with the job that in your first week, it's clear to you that you love it and this is what you're meant to do. As long as you have the mindset that extended passion has to be cultivated over time and it's going to come along with your skills, which you have to work on over time, then how you choose a job doesn't really matter. So if you're interested in something, you don't have to figure out, is this a passion? Is this not? I mean, those are vague words that don't even mean much. That's fine. Go for that. But just keep in mind that your goal is not to have this love for your work every day right from the first day. Now, would you say, I mean, based on any research you've done or your experiences yourself, this whole idea of, you know, follow your passion or, or you know, and the money will follow, that kind of thing, or has this kind of idea in your mind maybe contributed to the workplace issues that, you know, a lot of employers talk about? You know, they're, not, they're not finding people with qualified skills. There's poor engagement of employees. There's not any loyalty. I mean, do you see these as as kind of offshoots of the issue of people maybe getting into the wrong career path because they did follow that passion advice? I think they're linked. Right? And this is, this is more hypothesis. I don't, I don't have hard data here. But my intuition is that a lot of the issues we're seeing with my generation, which is Generation Y, in particular low engagement, frequent job shifting, and a reluctance to enter the job market. So the sort of famous living in your parents' basement until you're 26 issue. I think all three of those are related to the fact that this was the first generation to be raised fully immersed in the follow your passion idea. So they've been told that there is some passion they have that if they can find it, they will love their working life. Well, that bar is so high that the reality of the working world always falls short of it. So this is why you don't have people engaged. This is why you have people shifting jobs. And this is why you have people reluctant to jump into the job market because if you've been told there's one right job for you and everything else will pale, then you're going to have a real difficulty hitting the ground running and putting the hard work you need to get started in a real job market. Now, clearly with all this stuff, and we're talking about passion not really being um, any idea into that you're going to have job satisfaction or success or anything like that. In terms of having that career that you love or that you are, um, that you become passionate about or that you really just, you know, you enjoy that process and what you're doing, what examples can you give us in terms of, and the phrase you kept using obviously was rare and valuable skills. What are you talking about exactly there? And I'm sure you could run the gamut of different industries and whatnot, but are there certain areas that really somebody could focus on because you're leading them to this area? So here's the general formula I discovered. Uh, What leads to passion and engagement in your career is general traits. These are traits that are way more general than a specific job, and they include things like autonomy, a sense of mastery, a sense that you're having an impact on the world, Uh, the ability to be creative, connection to people. These type of general traits is what leads people to love what they do. Now, for different people, different collections of these traits will resonate with them more than others. So this is really where introspection comes into the career process, is thinking about these general traits that resonate with you. Do you want extreme flexibility and control over your schedule, or are you really looking for a sense of real importance and impact, and you could care less if you were working you know, 80 hours a week or whatever? Mm. 
that's where the introspection is. So the question is, how do you get these traits you desire into your working life? Well, the, the formula that makes sense is that those traits are rare and valuable. And if you want them in your working life, you need rare and valuable skills to offer in return. So it's an economic argument, but it says when you enter the job force, your goal is to build up rare and valuable skills so that you'll have some leverage to gain whatever you need, be it autonomy or be it impact or be it a sense of creativity. So really your goal when you're early on in your job is building up your value to the marketplace. And once you have that value, then your job is to actually apply some introspection and say, okay, how do I leverage this value? Where do I want my career to go now that I have some say? Sure. My thinking with this too, is, you know, you talk about this clearly being you know, a lot of introspection, uh, calculation, so to speak, in terms of, you know, what, what do I want? What's going to work? Do you think that maybe part of the disconnect still is that that just sounds very, for lack of a better word, it sounds cold compared to the idea of you, know, you go into the job force and you just, you're loving what you do and this is always what you wanted to do. I mean, that obviously sounds a lot better than, oh, I'm going to sit down and do this, this, and this and plan out what I'm going to do. Is that part of maybe people's fear or, um, you know, just a disconnect between trying to find their path versus letting their path come to them? I think it is people's fear, but what helps, you know, uh, uh, helpfully allay that fear is the, the observation that the, the sense of, of love for your work, the sense of passion for your work, that really does go hand in hand with your ability and skill. So if you're trying to enter the workforce and have a great sense of love and passion and engagement in your first job, that's very difficult to do because that really does go hand in hand with you being good at something rare and valuable and leveraging that to take control of your work. So if you believe that everyone has a pre-existing passion that will immediately bring them love for their work if they follow it, then it sounds very cold. But if you believe, as I do, that that is a myth and we have no evidence for it, then what I'm suggesting is basically one of the only ways you actually are going to get to engagement and the only ways you're going to get the satisfaction. So my concern would be if you follow the passion myth slavishly, I think you're going to end up less happy, less passionate, less engaged than if you take this more nuanced but evidence-based approach. And one of the questions I somewhat plan on asking you about is, you know, this idea that there are there are plenty of individuals who – you know, as they're young, they're growing up and they know they want to be this. And I gave an example of, you know, teachers or veterinarians who, you know, there's a, there's a altruistic feeling to it where they genuinely want, genuinely want to help people or, you know, the veterinarian, you're helping animals. I guess, what is your advice to them? I mean, they kind of feel they already have that path. Is there still a danger for them where it's something that clearly they, they focused on, this is what they want. This is their introspection. They want to be able to help people or, or animals or, or whatever the case. Is that the 1% that is fine following their passion? Or how would you kind of, um, you know, talk to them in terms of this? Well, my main warning for them would be just don't expect to have a sort of immediate and consistent love for your work. That regardless of whether you said early on you want to do something or not, engagement, satisfaction, passion for work develops along with skill. It develops along with your rare and valuable skills. So that's the, that's the danger of having a sort of clear direction, regardless of where that comes from. If you have a clear direction, it's, it's still dangerous if you go into that job finally and expect that I should be loving this every day. Because if that's your expectation, 
And when you get to the reality of, well, work is hard, especially early on, and you need to really build up your standing, it can lead to the same sort of anxieties. So if you have a clear direction, that's great. Follow it. But that's not enough by itself to bring you to passion and engagement and satisfaction. That really does have to come along with skills. Another part of this that I I just wanted to mention, and I had seen this term, and I was curious to get your more elaborative thoughts on it. There's a mention of career capital. And I guess in the best way you can, how would you define that in terms of how this fits in with your your research and obviously just your opinion here with the in the book? So career capital is a metaphor that uh, makes it easier to to think about this formula I'm talking about, where you build up skills, then leverage it. And the the right way, the way this metaphor works is you think about as you build up more rare and valuable skills, you gain more career capital. And that in essence, it's this career capital that you invest, to make your career into something that you really love. So if you become really valuable in something, you have a huge amount of career capital, which means you can invest that in getting, say, a huge amount of autonomy in your career or or a huge amount of impact or whatever it is that you're looking for. So it's a helpful metaphor to guide your career. It says instead of constantly worrying, do I really love this job? You should instead turn your attention to how much career capital do I have and how could I get more? With that, in your book basically has four, I mean, you go into great detail with them clearly, but the four steps essentially, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but don't follow your passion, be so good they can't ignore you, turn down a promotion, and then think small, act big. With those, the one that kind of perked people up the most from just the people I've talked to is the idea of turn down a promotion. And in parentheses, I had down the importance of control. Obviously, a lot of people would say, why would you ever do that? How is this a good thing? It seems like career suicide, that sort of thing. Elaborate to us and describe how this is a good move and how it actually does benefit you or can in in some cases. So once you've built up career capital, so once you've done the be so good they can't ignore you rule and now you have some leverage in the marketplace – What should you actually invest that for to make you love your career more? So that's what the last two rules explore. Okay. So one thing that was common when I study people who loved what they do is that a lot of them had invested their career capital to gain a lot of control over their work, what they do, when they do it, how they do it. And there's a lot of research that says having this autonomy is a great source of satisfaction. So that particular phrase, turn down a promotion, came from a particular case study of a young woman who built up a lot of career capital as a database programmer, particular type of programmer. She she became very good at it, had a lot of value. She turned down a promotion that would put her in a management position, lots of responsibilities, but also lots of sort of rigid demands on her time. Mm -hmm. She turned it down and instead leveraged her value to negotiate a position in which she could actually take significant amounts of time off. Now, that's because she really valued sort of time affluence and control over her schedule. So she invested her career capital to get that. Now, other people might not be looking for that. They might be looking for other things, say a lot of importance. So they might actually jump right at the promotion. But the point of that that phrase was to make it clear that what you should be doing is once you have your capital, really thinking about what you want to do with it. Don't just advance blindly in your work. So she was a great example of someone who built her capital but then was very clear about what she wanted to do with it. And she really does love her working life right now. Clearly, there's a lot that goes into this. And as I, we've mentioned, really taking a look at yourself and what you want and that sort of thing. So looking to maybe somewhat put a summary on it and you know, giving one piece of advice or two pieces of advice is never going to truly help someone. But 
my question would be, aside from, of course, buying your book, which I would assume is your number one piece of advice, uh, what words of wisdom could you offer to, to people who are struggling, whether it be they're struggling to find something they, they are good at or find something they would be good at? Maybe they're currently in a position that they're just not happy or they're not finding that passion because I would imagine you could be good at something and still not be happy. I, I feel I've been in that situation and in other areas. What would be your general advice or, or pieces of information you could give to at least move them in the right direction that obviously they'd need to discover a lot more things and look into it more, but what could you, you know, maybe guide them a little bit? Well, I would have two things to say. The first thing I would say is that they need to shift their mindset to think about passion as not something that you discover and then go after. It's instead the byproduct of a career that's run in a, in a way that's going to maximize engagement and satisfaction. So stop looking for passion and start asking yourself, am I running my career in a way that will generate passion? So that'd be my first piece of advice. The second piece of advice is how do you do that? Well, there's different strategies, but the particular one that I uncovered in my book is become very good, but then once you're good at something, leverage that very carefully, right? This is, people can become very good and end up hating their work, as you said, and that's because they missed that second step where you leverage your career capital to take control of your career. So you have to do both. Build up capital by becoming good and then be brave and honest to yourself in how you invest that capital to shape your career. Well, we definitely appreciate the advice and, you know, mention it being kind of a contrarian view, but I think you did a good job of explaining where you're coming from. And um, I guess last thing, really, when you've spoken to people or, you know, I, I read some things off of like your blog when you spoke and you, know, you worried how people would react necessarily. And you said for the most part, you've been pleasantly surprised with that reaction. Has it become much of a generational thing where, as you mentioned, a lot of the maybe younger people are quote unquote tired of hearing that and it's not working or so to speak? Is it that simple or is there a, a something larger in play that maybe people need to get past in terms of this idea of passion, love for, for work? The thing that people need to do, the transformation that people need to make and people have been making is separating the idea of following your passion from the goal of ending up passionate about what you do. And as soon as you can separate those two things and say, following your passion is a particular strategy, it's one of many strategies that may or may not work, but the goal is the same, to end up passionate about what you do, the conversation gets much richer. And then people say, sure, yeah, follow your passion, that's one strategy. I could understand that maybe career capital strategy works better, maybe something else works better. But they start to have a conversation about what actually works well if my goal is to end up loving my work. So as soon as you break the sort of uh, monopoly that follow your passion had on that question, the conversation becomes rich. And I think that's to the benefit of everybody. Well, that will wrap things up for us here on Moving Up the Ladder. I'm thinking we did give our listeners some different things to think about in terms of their career pursuits. Maybe some people feel more validated in their thoughts or uh, go out and research a little bit more of what you've been talking about. Either way, Cal, we do appreciate you coming in, giving us your unique perspective. Uh, where can people find out more about you and uh, also about your book? All right. Well, you can find the book in Barnes Noble or online, and you can read a little bit more about me and my ideas at calnewport.com. Great. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you. I enjoyed it. And of course, it's always good to hear from you, the listeners. So please drop us an email with comments or suggestions at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Wishing you success in all your endeavors, I'm Tim Yuma. You've been listening to localjobnetwork.com radio.